Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast today. I hope you enjoy it. But first, I want to ask you a question. Are you someone who has high upside potential in your business and yet sometimes that goal is just hard to get to and maybe the only way you've seen to get to it is just to make more calls, you know, work harder? Well, if you're fed up with using old strategies to solve new problems, then I might have a solution. It's my five-day million-dollar seller challenge. We meet one hour a day in a coaching intensive where I will teach you five moves that you can make to scale your results without working harder. To learn more, click the link in the show notes or go to milliondollarsellerchallenge.com. In this week's podcast, I speak with Dr. James Mayhew, who is a leadership coach and consultant, has a podcast, which I'll tell you about, but he teaches us how to be better leaders, primarily using a better mental state, the right state of mind to be a leader. And this goes for if you're a sales manager, CEO, great, but also if you're just an individual contributor and you want to be a better leader to your team, to those around you and to your prospects, I think you'll really like this episode. Hope you enjoy. So we're joined today by James Mayhew. You can find more about James at James Mayhew, spelled just like it sounds, dot com. Uh, he is a coach. He does a lot of different things. James, welcome to the Bill Kasky Podcast. Yeah, well, I'm grateful to be here. Thanks for the invitation to do this. You've got a really nice video set up here. So if, if you are listening to this on audio, it's also on YouTube. Make sure you go and check out James's set. It's really Thank nice. You. I'm sure there's been about a half a million dollars spent on that side. <laughs> well, that maybe studio. not quite that much, but yeah, <laughs> a good investment, we'll say that. That's right. It's just the camera and the lighting, really, as long as you have a room that has nice stuff in it. But yeah. uh, I always I always criticize people when they do a video and they're like up against a white wall. It's like, you look like you're in a lineup at the local <laughs> police station. Sure. So uh, I heard about James from uh, one of my listeners and, and – uh, connections and clients, actually, Angela Pumo. And she said, uh, you guys ought to meet. She knows a little bit about you, knows a little bit about me. And I always take those introductions a whole lot more serious than a cold outreach where, hey, I'd like to be on your podcast. So thanks to Angela for setting us up. We had a conversation here recently. So why don't you give us a minute on what Coach James Mayhew does and why you do it? What what do you kind of hook everything on? And then we'll take it from there. Yeah, I, I mean, I have built a business around working with companies that are as small as, say, 25 employees up to around 500-ish employees for the most part. And what I'm doing, Bill, is I'm I'm working to come together and help them align uh, a, a few things at the macro level, like the big level. So culture, strategy, execution, vision, direction, all of those things. But what I really like to be able to do is get in with a company. I'm going to be pretty hands-on with them and help every person in that organization from entry-level position to the top, and that includes the CEO, to know exactly that what they're working on is in alignment with who we are as a company, our strategic initiatives, uh, our direction, all of those things. We need to see alignment there. And as a result, we're going to have a great uh, level of employee engagement. Our culture is going to be strong, and people will know what they're doing and and how they're doing. And that's really the fundamental key to it. Culture is 
where I've come from. And uh, it, it wasn't until I learned that we have to marry it with precisely with execution that things really started to take off. Yeah. You know, whenever I look at a pro sports team and where they're constantly replacing the coach and replacing quarterback and then, okay, the offensive line coach now, I'm just thinking NFL because it's in the news. I always look back and say, is it a culture problem? Because we keep replacing the people, but the problems never go away. More people come into a crappy culture and they become, you know, they, they, uh, die along the, along the path. Uh, am I wrong with that? Or is it just a jumping to a crazy conclusion? Yeah. You're a hundred percent on, on target there. And I think what you're saying is, is you're alluding to culture, uh, persists. And that's one of the things that it's kind of like, a, I'm kind of a weather nerd too on the side. So I like to follow weather patterns. And there's a, a forecasting term called persistence forecasting. And it's like the weather pattern, you get stuck in a drought or a heat wave or, or a cold snap, whatever it is, and things persist. This also happens in our businesses too. And what you're looking at there is it, it always is going to point up to the top. Are we doing the things that we say that we're going to do? And culture shift has to actually start there. Uh, let me let me rephrase that. I don't believe it has to start there, but there has to be absolute buy-in and commitment at the senior level. I do believe that culture transitions and, and uh, transformation can start in other levels, yeah. but, but if it's not there at the top, it's not going to stick. So when you go into a company, a company sees this and calls you or they see one of your podcasts. By the way, I forgot to mention, uh, James's podcast is called Confidence covered by humility. Is that true? That is correct. Yes. Confidence covered by humility. It's a it's an audio podcast. I'm sure, it's also on YouTube. But uh, go check that out. I'm always a big recommender of podcasts, especially if, uh, with guests. But somebody listen to your podcast. They call you and say, "Hey, we've I think we've got a culture problem. I'm not sure." We you engage, and the first time you walk in the door, or, or the first time you have a Zoom meeting, or whatever. What are some of the things you experience that gives you the indication? Oh boy. Well, you got a problem here. Yeah. I think it's, a lot of people like to just tell you, you know, hey, we have this issue going on. But some of the evidence that I will see if I, especially if I can do an, an in-person visit with them, is you can feel culture in an organization, whether, again, it's a sports team or a business, um, wherever it might be, you can feel it the moment that you go in. It, it is, how do people carry themselves? Yeah. What's There's an energy that you can pick up. Uh, so that's kind of hard to quantify, but you can also you know it and you, you can experience it. So we've all been into an environment where culture is, is strained, stressed, it's poor. And, you know, there's not eye contact. People aren't greeting themselves. There's no, there's no energy. There's no laughter. There's, it's just, it's just is, and you can feel that tension. And then you can contrast that to when you walk in and you can feel that energy, that vibe that does mm -hmm. exist. And I think the other thing too is, is the evidence that I'm looking for is, uh, how are people, how are people um, carrying themselves beyond just what, the, what that vibe is? When you engage with people, can they tell you specific things about what's going well? Or are they focused on the negative and what's broken? And it, as a consultant, one of the things that I like to do that's a little different, I hope it's a little different, is I'd like to find out what's actually going well and then find out why. So if I can figure out what's going well inside an organization, inside a team, even if 90% of the rest of it is kind of broken, well, let's figure out what's going well there. And you can usually take that back to 
good leadership, uh, employees and staff members, they know what's expected, they know how they're doing. That's evidence right there. So those are the things that I'm trying to uh, investigate. I'm asking questions around things like performance. Uh, how are they doing on their goals? Do they have company initiatives? Where are they at? Um, are you in a hiring phase right now? What's your turnover rate? Mm-hmm. All of those things are going to be evidence of a good or a poor culture, or at least signs of it. So are, are CEOs or founders reluctant to admit the culture is broken because they're the ones that created it? Is there any kind of cognitive dissonance or I don't know what the proper psychological term is, but just kind of, no, I, I own this and we're certainly not going to have James or Bill in because, you know, they're going to find out that I don't know how the hell to do this. Is there any of that? Or by the time they get to you or they're like, okay, now I know we got a problem. Well, that's the origin of confidence covered by humility right there, right? Because confidence that isn't covered with humility is arrogance. And it's arrogance, yeah. Right? You know, and so you can you can pick that up pretty quick. And, and for people, like, that's not a, a good client for me, Bill. If I am engaging with them in some type of discovery process, <laughs> and they're like, you know, we've got this. Don't uh, change you know, everything's anything. Everything's good. <laughs> yeah. Come in, but don't change anything. Right, right. I just know that that's not going to work. And sometimes you even see it too, where, um, you know, you'll have some leaders that have uh, a need to be heard, a need to like express that I'm in charge. Again, it's that, I would say that's that lack of humility and awareness around that. And I, I'm, I have had coaching clients like that. I have actually worked in companies like that. It doesn't tend to move very fast. I don't feel very fulfilled with it. Uh, employees continue to stay frustrated. So I, that's not an area for me. But yeah, that absolutely is the case. Yeah. So I have to find, here's what I'm actually looking for. I've, I've been able to boil it down to three words, integrity, dignity, and prosperity. So integrity, do we operate with integrity? And I know that's a cliche core value. <laughs> However, uh, there are, there's, again, there's evidence. I'm looking for evidence of that. So if, if I meet with somebody and we agree to do a follow-up or something, or that I'm going to send you this or whatever, I'm going to operate in that. If I commit to doing something by 4 o'clock on Thursday, it's going to happen. That's, a, that's evidence of integrity. But I'm also looking for that when I'm meeting with them for the first time or maybe I'm working with the staff. Dignity. Like, how do we treat people? So let's say I'm, I'm going to go out to lunch with a client, a prospective client. How do they treat servers at a restaurant? How yeah. do they tip? Like, how, what, what are the things that they say when they don't think they're being watched? Is it still, you know, sort of above reproach? That's or do they start thing, to really though. show? That's a behavior. You're, you're kind of observing behavior, not just what they say. Oh, no, I always tip well. You're actually watching, do they tip well? Exactly. Exactly. And then the yeah. prosperity part, it, it doesn't just have to be on a, on a financial level. Yeah. It, that, that is like, do we create an environment where people can prosper? So, I mean, it's, it's those things all wrapped up that, again, I am looking for breadcrumbs, the signs of evidence that this is a, a client that I believe mm-hmm. that I can help and that I feel compatible with. Okay, excellent. Now, here's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot just a little bit. Uh, a lot of listeners to this podcast and other things I do are VPs of sales. They're, they're not CEOs, they're not founders, they're people who run sales teams, and they're coaching and managing and leading those teams. Is it possible to have a a poor corporate culture and a really good sales culture. If the VP of sales or that sales leader is mindful of that and says, look, I don't really care what the CEO is doing, but we want to build a culture here inside this department. Is that possible? 
It is absolutely possible, and I've seen it happen. Um, you can create pockets of greatness when you have a strong, confident humble leader, um, you know, in this case, a VP of sales, what they're probably doing is investing deeply into their team. They're not stealing credit. They're giving credit away. They're building into people. And you can see that. Now, the, the question is, is, is that VP of sales going to continue to stay there and put up with those probably things? Not. Because, yeah. right, because in a bad culture, you're going to have turnover. People don't want to work for a boss that, that they don't feel like they have support from. Yeah. But in many ways, it could be that it could be that the sales VP can be a model for everybody else in the company. This is how he or she treats his team. This is how God these sales and they're so cordial and they're 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 communicative and they're so nice. Why don't we do that here in accounting? I mean, you can become the model that other people can reach for. But you're right. If you get too good, then and the culture's bad from you know, from the top down, you will find some, and you'll probably take all your people with them because they want to work for you because of the culture thing. Well, Bill, that makes me think of this. There's the term that I use and I I didn't come up with this term, but it's, it's, that's an accidental element of culture in a good way. Generally, I'm going to talk about an accidental element of culture in a bad way, such as a manufacturing company that says they're on time, but always is behind. They're always running late. In, in that case that you just gave right there, if you have somebody who is just demonstrated uh, this this strong leadership, the team is engaged like you were detailing there. Uh, the accidental element is that can spill over into other areas. And that is, it's uncommon, it's not unheard of, but that can definitely happen. Again, it's going to come back to at what point do you meet the walls on that, the barriers that you can't overcome and that it can't dribble into another department or team, because that is going to happen. And so then you might have now an isolation of a couple of good spots. I don't know, that might be a driver for why some people leave those companies and start their own. True, true. Yeah, I see that a lot where the VP of sales will default to the company culture and they don't need to. So I'm, I really appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to send this to some VPs of sales who I've had that conversation with yeah. on your website. We're talking to James Mayhew today, jamesmayhew.com. He coaches and consults and, and advises uh, organizations when it comes to culture and execution. You say conversations create clarity, maximum performance with a simple, powerful system that engages employees in your mission, critical objectives, uh, ensure that everyone on your team is doing excellent work on the most important things. Uh, tell me about conversations create clarity because I couldn't agree more. I don't think we have enough meaningful conversations in the workspace, especially after COVID, because we're not in the workspace still, some, some of us. And so uh, what do you mean by conversations create clarity and how can maybe I use this to improve my clarity in my company? I think it comes down to... Uh you know, I just, I made a couple of notes here just because I wanted to, I thought that you might ask something like this. So when you get into, when we're saying conversations create clarity, think about it this way. And and I'm just going to remove whether this is remote or in person, because I don't think this is going to matter. The conversations that, that generate clarity are still going to be necessary in either case. But really what we're saying here is I know what's expected of me. Uh, I am setting goals with my manager, if I'm the if I'm the team member, or if I'm the manager, I'm going to set the goals with the employee. That's a conversation instead of you delegating or dictating those things to me. We're going to do those things together. So I know what's expected. I know how I'm doing, and I am free to do what I do 
really well. In other words, I don't feel limited. I, I don't feel like uh, I'm being held back. So conversations should happen in a meaningful way. I actually have a process where we, we work and um, when I'm coming into a company, what we're going to do is create a cadence for those to happen on a monthly 30-day rotation. And so we're going to look at uh, how are we doing on our primary job responsibilities? What are the goals that I'm, I'm working on? Am I ahead? Am I behind? Am I on target? Where am I at? And what are the factors that get into that? Because here's what happens. If I don't have clarity on something, that means I am unsure, I'm confused. And what most people do is something else or they just stop or slow down, whatever it is. So clarity is like the accelerator to get things done. I know what the priorities are. I know that I have the tools and resources. Mm-hmm. I know who mm-hmm. I can ask for help. I know if I can enlist others or, or if I'm not so, you know, like, is that part of the, the project or not? So again, that's, that's what we're trying to have is I want to flip that dynamic between a team member and a manager so that it becomes a conversation instead of a one-sided I love it. Conversation. I love it. I love it. Also, I think as you were explaining that, you know, what's expected of me, well, I expect you to generate $5 million worth of business next year, 3 million from new customers and 2 million from existing. Okay. I'm clear about the outcome, but how, how am I going to do that? And that is a point of clarity too, because a lot of salespeople are walking around with huge goals and that's why 60% of them miss because there's (laughs) never been any discussion about the clarity of the how. Exactly. And it yeah. doesn't have to be day to day, but generally, okay, we, we've got a goal of 3 million of new business. How do you plan on doing that? Well, I don't know. Dream about it. You know, keep repeating to myself that I deserve it. Well, let's talk about, and so that's when the leader really steps in and says, look, let's have a three hour meeting, not a three, five minute meeting in the hallway, but a three hour meeting where we're going to look at your entire scope, your entire territory, where are the opportunities? What can you do? What can you post on social? Do you need to meet up? And then that person leaves that meeting like, oh, I got this. I got this. But if there's no conversation on clarity, it's just a number, just a forecast. Well, I almost feel like you're describing the the old-fashioned SWOT you know, analysis yep. in that case, yep. right? It's, it's that conversation to say, what are the opportunities? What are the threats? What, what are you strong in? Where are you weak in? One thing that I will add to, to the way that, that we do goals when I'm working with a client is this, is we're going to create, a, um, we're going to create three criteria for it. Missed, met, and exceeded. So you gave a an example of using five million. What if I have a goal to increase sales volume by five million dollars, and I get to four point six five? Is that a miss or is that a hit? You know, and it is going to depend on the situation. But what if we create a range that says, "Hey, anything between four point two five and five point seven five, this is the range that that we feel." very confident in your ability to hit. Yeah. Now below that, we're going to call that a miss. We're going to yeah. call that a fail and we're going to figure out why that happened, but it's not just after the fact. We're going to like be checking that. in every month to see where are you at with Yeah, cuz the, what's the magic in 5 million <laughs> on the dot? What's the magic? Exactly. There? 5 4.8, you failed. We're going to we're going to put you on probation. Oh, come on. Right. So I like and, that. And, I like that. And there's companies that do that. They're hardcore about that I know. and and it just drives people away. I know. You know, you were talking about integrity earlier, and I, I, we, we talked in the pre-show. I said, we want to talk about values. We don't have time to do it now. We can do it next time. But how integrity always appears in the list of values because nobody wants to leave it off. It's like, where's integrity in your right. life? Oh, that's right. <laughs> um, 
But a lot of times in the sales process, we say we have integrity, but we really don't. And I just got off a call today with a guy who says, look, we're at the end of the quarter. I need to get this thing across the line. And I said, you, you are, you know, anything you say, unless you are totally honest with them, they know exactly what you're doing. And so you say you, you say you're customer service or I, I want the best for the customer. But what it gets down to is, no, you want the best for you because you want to make extra numbers to get it in June. Now, I do think there's a way to do that that holds integrity and still asks basically a favor of the customer. Say, look, if you do this, I'll throw in this or I, but I would just like to do it. If you can't do it, that's fine too. There's a way to do it with integrity, but sometimes we skip the integrity part when we need something and it's all about us and not about the customer. I think one of the simplest ways to define a value such as integrity is, is through a statement like this. You do what you say. Right. What's your say do ratio? And, and think about how hard that actually is to do. I can tell you, I would love to tell you and all your listeners that my say and do ratio is a one to one. Everything I one say, I actually it's, do. It's your <laughs> middle name. Reality it's is, your it's not. Yeah. One it's to one just Mayhew. not. <laughs> one to one, maybe. I thought it's good. But, uh, but you know, the reality of that is, is again, a, a core behavior, that's where I would call that a core behavior, is actually different with that because now we can say, hey, Bill, in the last 30 days, you know, nine out of 10 times, you've nailed that. But there was that one instance. And here's the result where you didn't follow through. You promised to get our top client this. It fell through. Listen, I need to make sure that that doesn't happen again. So I need to understand what happened. How do we prevent it? Um, and if I've done something negligent on my part, I mean, there's there's probably a repercussion to that. But again, that's coming back to you. That's a conversation to create clarity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. James Mayhew has joined us today. James, we need to do this again. I, uh, there's a whole lot here to, that we could get to. And uh, I thought uh, the conversation was good. Once again, uh, how, how would you like people to best uh, connect with you? Well, I think on LinkedIn is probably the primary way. Um, post a lot there, DM me. And then I'm kind of old school in this. I, I've got some sales training that, that I would just say, here's my phone number. And I know you can put it in the notes, but oh. I'll, give it, I'll give it here. It's 319-929-2604. And that rings directly to me. You're not going to have to go through anything. There's a chance that you'll have to leave a message because I'm probably with somebody. But I promise, I and this is my say-do ratio, I'm going to keep this one-to-one. -one. I will call you back. So. Yeah, good. And if you call him, have your credit card ready. Because, <laughs> right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, that's awesome. James, thanks for uh, being a part of this. And uh, we'll talk here soon. Yeah, a lot of fun. Thanks for having me.